Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Welcome back to What's This Dow About? My name is Todd Perry, here with the great Dr. Carl Totten. See, Joe? Good morning. It's good to see you. And uh, I thank everybody. We've had a, a big influx in listeners of recent, uh, due to Reddit and some stuff on iTunes. Uh, the, the show is going really well, so we thank everybody, especially the new folks that might be tuning in for the first time to What's This Dow All About? We hope to uh, serve you well. Um... So uh, with that, uh, we have a listener question uh, that we received the other day. You can email us. There's contact information on the website, and we'll uh, uh, go over your stuff on the show here. We had a listener, I believe in Australia, was he? I think so, yes. Yeah. And he said, uh, uh, hi, Todd. Uh, my, my, family, uh, my family loves your show, and we have listened and re-listened to every episode. Maybe you should say uh, hi to Dr. Carl as well. That's uh, great. Uh, I mean, that's interesting that people listen there. Again, we were talking before the show, you can never assume how people are listening, where people are listening, and, and what's happening. But that's, it's cool that people with their families are listening. Yeah, that's great. Several people have told me that they have listened and re-listened to the episodes over and over. Wow. Isn't that great? That's that's fantastic. Now now I feel like uh, people are listening. i got to watch what I <laughs> say. So my family and I love your show and listen and re-listen to every episode. I have trouble, though. Because I get upset when I hear about injustice in the world and see things that I think are unfair. Please help. This is the greatest burden to my practice. I think it has made me an irritable person, and as I see negatives everywhere, and I react very pessimistically. I particularly worry when I see my children's reaction to this, and I do think the root of it is that I get so depressed and annoyed by unfairness and injustice. I don't know how to just meh this one out. Help. Cheers. John. That... Now, this wow. is a big one. How do you... Wow. Yeah. That was a great question. I really thank uh, John for a asking such a, a sensitive and, I think, important question. Because, yeah. you know, we look around the world and we see things like injustice and we think, oh, my gosh, that's not good. Yeah. That's not right. That's yeah. not fair. Right. right? You know? And so uh, this is what I, I said uh, in my response to John, I said, you know, well, first of all, thank you, of course, for listening yeah. to the podcast and, and for this great question. And it's not necessarily a really easy question to answer. Mm. You know, this is a question that, I mean, we could ask all of mankind going back the last 10,000 years, right? Mm. Hey, what are you doing out there, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so how do we deal with all the negatives in the world? How, how indeed? Well, you know, I often tell people that the Tao is similar to a field. And what and how we tend to the field determines the type of fruit that it will bear. Okay. And so 
if the field is just left alone, it will produce things according to some natural rhythms and cycles. Uh, but this world reflects more than that, than just the natural rhythms and cycle, because what we human beings have, what? Free will. Mm -hmm. And what do we do with our free will? Is it always in accordance and in balance and in harmony with nature? Mm, Not no. yet. No. <laughs> We're no. working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Hence these podcasts. We're trying to help. And so that's had an enormous impact on the delicate uh, ecosystem balance and the social, cultural, economic balance in the world. And that, I think, is what uh, reflects a lot of the injustice yeah. that our listener, John, uh, is perceiving. Additionally, however, we are all interconnected on so many levels we don't even, we're not even aware of, oh, yeah. energetically and spiritually. And because this is so, each of us needs to do what our um, Taoist elder, our Taoist immortal, Lu Tung Pin, suggested. Mm -hmm. now, he was the founder of the so-called Complete Reality School of the Tao. Okay. And he's, then his central teaching in terms of practice during meditation, was to do what he called turn the light around. Okay. Turn the light around. So that we see how much that is reflected within us gets projected outside of us. Right. And so most people in the world, of course, not, aren't doing anything even close to this. <laughs> and instead, we point to others or things that appear to be outside of us and say, there's the disharmony. There's the problem. It's out there. It's over there. It's them. It's they. Well, mm. you know, the truth is there is no them. There is no they. There is only us. Right, right. <laughs> we are all in this pot together. And either we're going to kind of swim together or we're going to sink together. And, um, and, and that's why it's in our self-interest to share and be compassionate and to be coming from a helping stance all of the time because what goes around is going to come around. Mm. And th this law of kind of cause and effect, that's actually what the Buddha was talking about, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's the law of karma, right? right? right. The law of cause and effect. Mm. That's exactly what he said. And so... The 10,000 things that are reflected both internally and externally in our environment often reflect the attachments that we have not owned and therefore softened. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, here in a 3D world, in a, in a world that's polarized, it's very, very difficult to get completely we, we can't we haven't found a way to completely let go of attachments right. in this world right uh, you know point to the person who has <laughs> yeah, right. no, no one it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a, a very few uh, fingers pointed on that hand <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe one or two but most of us uh, we have attachments but how attached are we to our attachments and do we have a way to soften that so that each of us, as we live our daily life, we, we're, we're getting into a place where we're holding what is natural for us in harmony with what's natural in the environment. And that requires letting go. 
so that things and people can just be in accordance with their own nature, in accordance with the greater Tao, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a type of ecosystem, systematic balance that is harmonious and peaceful and joyful. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we think that things are, aren't going just right for us, I, I think it's important for us to be willing to own that and not say that, well, you know, it's, it's up to someone else to fix it. Right. The politicians have to fix it. Right. Uh, you're going to be waiting for a long time, folks. Right, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care who you vote for. Right, right. <laughs> you're going to wait for a long, long time. So we have to be willing day by day, moment by moment, to clean, if you will, this enormous amount of data that we're perceiving that seems to be out of balance. Mm -hmm. Remember uh, the, 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 the notion of karma, this law of cause and effect, which leads to attachments. And the only way to truly let go of that is to own it and clean it. Right. And clean it means to soften your attachment and start to let it go so that we can move back into alignment, back into harmony with the natural rhythms and flow of the Tao, where all things, just like that field, everything in the field gets exactly what it needs. It, you know, it, it, certain things need a certain amount of water, they take it. Things need a certain amount of sunlight, they receive it. Mm. They need a, the, you know, the wind, you know, the air, the interaction between the soil and the air and the water and the nutrients. You know, it creates this incredible mix where everything gets exactly what it needs and yet everything becomes exactly what it is right yeah. right yeah. you know the oak becomes what it's going to become and the you know the frog becomes what it's going to become and yet it was all part of the same field right. and when you looked at it at first it looked like it was empty but it was teeming with life and it only needed the correct conditions to flourish right. and thrive and so i i suggested to our friend john here that holding that reality both within and without, is the task of a Taoist practitioner. Embracing without attachment, allowing things to be what they are, and are in the process of becoming, is our mission. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> it allows for the ultimate freedom to be fully present in the present moment and in all moments as they exist on multiple dimensional levels. Now, while simple, it's not easy. No. Uh, and the people of the world are each on their own paths, some short, some long, some fast, some slow. So ultimately, this provides a type of balance, kind of checks and balances, that permit things to unfold at just the right pace. It's perfect, actually. It's actually perfect. And even though we're impatient with the process at times, finding our rhythm through meditation and contemplation so we can nurture ourselves, our friends, our families, and ultimately our community and our world, that's our charge. And finding this and feeling gratitude for what we have and what we're holding within our spirit perception is contagious mm -hmm. and helps to move the larger reality within the world along. So I really appreciated this very sensitive uh, question, and I, I think it points to how the, the stance that a Taoist uh, aligns themselves with moment by moment, day by day. There is no out there. There's only us. Right. And if we're feeling disharmony, if we're seeing disharmony out there, we need to turn the light around 
and find where's the disharmony within me that is contributing to how I'm perceiving things externally. If everybody did that, or mm. enough people did that, you know that thing about the hundredth monkey? Mm. Just en enough, you know, there, there was a, uh, a finding years and years ago that, you know, one monkey on some island in the South Pacific figured out, you know, how to do something with a tool. No, no other monkey had ever done that anywhere else around the world. Right. You know, they, they had to like break open things in a certain way, like coconuts or whatever. Yeah. This one monkey figured out another, a new way of doing it. And then the other monkeys saw this monkey doing it on that island, and they started, of course, doing it too because it was more efficient. Right. Now, that's not surprising. You know, monkeys aren't stupid. They can right. learn. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey right. see, monkey do. Exactly. <laughs> However, hundreds of miles away, monkeys that had never done that, they suddenly started to do it too. All over the world, the monkeys began to pick up this new adaptation. And so we how how did that happen? Well, that's a very good question, Mr. A, Todd. <laughs> it is a collective subconscious within the monkeys uh, like a Jungian something, you know, the the, the it's this has been uh, caught uh, by the by Rupert Sheldrake, the world-renowned uh, kind of quantum biologist. Uh, he has a, a term from this for this which he calls, uh, um, I'm trying to, well, now, what's his term now? <laughs> yeah. Morphic resonance, that's his term. Okay. You know, where it seems like once enough members of a species understand something, learn something, somehow, probably through quantum entanglement, mm -hmm. every member of that species begins to know and begins to react and respond in a new way. And that's why there have been numerous, I mean, really scientifically controlled experiments that show that when you get enough people and they begin to like meditate in resonance with each other and they begin to kind of link their consciousness together, the entire surrounding area, even if it's a city ridden with crime, the, the longer this meditation goes on, the lower and lower and lower the crime rate becomes. Okay. Uh, admissions to emergency rooms, violence, everything goes down to almost zero. Right. It, even if it's on like a Friday night in, <laughs> in Washington, D.C. or someplace, right. you know, someplace where typically, you know, things are popping. Right, yeah. And, and so that's why it's so important for each one of us to come to this internal balance and alignment because we don't know who else around the world at that moment is having a similar thought. Yeah. And if we're cultivating inner peace and harmony, it's contagious. It spreads. Morphic resonance. It, it's, in my opinion, it's the true hope of the world because when we each can get into that place in our hearts where we're beyond separation, beyond division, and we're feeling just love and compassion, this world will change in ways we will not even believe. And, and quickly, and it, it, it'll be a revolution, like overnight. Overnight. Just whammo, everything. People will go, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We did it. Right, exactly. We did it. So I was backing up here. Um, it's interesting. So, you know, our, our, our listener John here gets he's obviously upset by the injustice in the world. Like if you think about, uh, I don't know, Boko Haram or mm. ISIS or, you know, the troubling things that go on in this country. Um, if you think about that, it, it is tough 
to know that, that these injustices are going on in the world, that this violence is going on, yeah. that this degradation of humanity is going on, and then but also enjoy you know going on a walk with my dogs, right? <laughs> but I think uh, turning back to something you said earlier, you're talking about kind of cleansing yourself internally, and I think the thing is that his problem, John's problem here is he's becoming quite pessimistic because he sees that injustice. Yes. Now, it's also uh, your perception determines your reality, right? Yes. And I, the, the extra, I, I happen to believe the external world is uh, often a reflection of your own internal world. Yes. When you are fraught with negativity uh, internally, you will seek that out, and that's what your light will shine on externally. Like attracts like. Right. So if I'm uh, pessimistic and negative, I'm going to walk down the street and all the things that are negative, I'm going to see and pay attention to. And I'm going to miss the birds singing in yes. the tree. I'm going to instead, you know, see something up the way that is distressing. Right. Yes. So uh, that's the gestalt. You know, the fore- yeah. What's in the foreground? What's in the background? Yeah. Yes. And so anybody could walk into almost, you know, it could walk into a, a, a blank room. And one person that's kind of internally cleansed or optimistic could walk into a completely blank room and say, oh, isn't this wonderful? It's completely blank. And then somebody else could walk in and say, oh, this is devoid of anything. This is, <laughs> this is horrifying, right? Yes. And so, you know, it's the, it's the choice of, you know, but I guess if, if as a world we don't perceive the injustices and notice them, then they are apt to continue. Yes, it- it stands out because it's breaking the harmony of nature. Mm. You know, those things that, that you just mentioned that John was referring to, these, these are ruptures. These are, these are disturbances in the field, in the force, yeah. right? There's a disturbance in the field, in yeah. the force, right? <laughs> in Star Wars, right? right? And, and that's true. It is. But where does that originate? In us. Right. After all, who's doing it? You know, th- these people who are doing these terrible things, just think when they were born, they were a little baby. They had a mother and father and sisters and brothers who loved them. You know, they did probably a lot of the same things that we did. They played with their toys. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. What happened that now that little baby is a Thrust into is, evil, is, is a you know? terrorist or something, right? Yeah. And 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 a person who was not very, that much different than us. Uh, assuming they weren't born with some type of, you know, terrible, you know, brain disease or something. That, yeah. That, you know, which does happen uh, also. Oh, yeah. And and also, remember, there's a bigger picture, too. When you're talking about karma, you know, how far back does karma go? How far back does cause and effect, though? Yeah. You know, this life, previous lives, uh, and things are played forward from the past. You know, there's a collective consciousness. There are archetypes, you know, universal archetypes mm-hmm. that people's uh, energy and sociocultural ways of perceptions gets aligned with. And it gets carried on generation after generation after generation. And that's why things like intergenerational trauma are manifested and come, and come forth. And you'll see patterns in families generation after generation destructive, uh, dysfunctional patterns until when somebody breaks the cycle, breaks the cycle. And there's only one way to break the cycle of karma. You've got to wake up. You've got to become conscious. And when you become conscious, you become free because now you have choice. If something is on automatic pilot, 
there's no choice. Right. It just happens. And then you look back and go, oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm, I'm such a victim. Uh, these terrible things just keep happening to me. And we don't see that we and our perspectives and perception have created the exact conditions that lead to our own imprisonment. Right. And so my task is to give everybody the key to unlock the cell of their limited perception and go, I'm free. Let me out. <laughs> because the worst thing to be is a prisoner or a slave. And particularly when you were a prisoner and, and a slave to ourselves and our own oh, yeah. narrowed perceptions. Oh, yeah. And so, world, here, here's the key. Let, unleash your chains yeah. and let go and turn the light around and free yourselves by stepping into the light of nature, the flow of the Tao. Nice. Well... John, I, I hope you appreciate that uh, answer. And then to anybody listening, you can uh, send us an email. Uh, right now, I, I guess I have my email on there, todd.perry at yahoo.com. That's a Todd with one D. Um, we'll, we'll get a show email going soon. Uh, but thank you so much, John. And uh, let's see what else we got here. What's This Tao All About is recorded at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Check out thedaoistinstitute.com. See their schedule of classes, including Taoist meditation, kung fu, and qigong. That's taoistinstitute.com. And we're going to move on to Chapter 36 from the Tao Te Ching. This is a good one. Of course, they're all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one's a winner. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's not the to... bad part of the book. <laughs> that, that junk part of the Tao Te Ching nobody cares about. <laughs> so it goes like this. That which shrinks must first expand. That which fails must first be strong. That which is cast down must first be raised. Before receiving, there must be giving. This is called perception of the nature of things. Soft and weak overcome hard and strong. Fish cannot leave deep waters, and a country's weapons should not be displayed. Hmm. Hmm. So, this harmony of apparent opposites is a deep, deep part of what defines reality in a polarized 3D universe. We tend to know things through their opposites. If we feel weak, we must have known strength at some point. If we're full, we must have experienced hunger. And in balancing those two out, that's how we kind of understand reality. Right. Again, in a 3D polarized uh, universe. And if something fails or if something breaks, it meant that it was at one point useful or worked or... Yes. Yeah. If you, if you screw up with something, it probably means that you would previously had done it correctly. Yes. You know? And so it seems that by being open to all sides of a polarity, we can transcend its inherently restrictive nature. And by a nation not belligerently displaying their military might, they might avoid the ruin of war. Uh, if only we could learn that. Yeah. <laughs> that well, little lesson. Well, it's like right now during the uh, political campaign... 
there's some people that say, you know, tone down the rhetoric because you have you know, candidates going, we're going to bomb the crap out of these people. We're going to bomb the crap out of these people. And they don't realize that these people are in the other part of the world going, oh, crap, these people are saying they're going to bomb us. So what are they going to do? Right. And they're going <laughs> to... Right. So you, you, you see how if you don't own your own projections, you actually wind up creating the problem you're trying to fix? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now you're creating something that wants to fight against you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the nature of polarity. Right. We wind up, by not embracing the totality and realizing that we're all really in this together, we wind up projecting our fears, which then become aggressions, provoking the other side to do the same thing back to us. Right. And we, and we wonder, wh- how do we get in this situation right. when we had such good intentions? <laughs> right. yeah. So I often say that, you know, in day-to-day life and in external political life, the only thing that's really real is unity consciousness, love, in yeah. other words, because everything else is going to create pushback. And when you get pushback, you get disharmony. Because then everybody is thinking, oh, what about me? What about my side? What about you know what I think, what we think, what's good for us? And that leads the, quote, other side to opposite. do the exact same thing. Right, <laughs> equal and opposite reaction on the other side. There is no peace in a world like that. Mm-hmm. There is no peace. And in our daily lives, if we're thinking that way and interacting that way, there's also no peace. It's like if you're in a, uh, you're in a workplace and one person is highly competitive trying to get to the top at the expense of everyone else around him, uh, the more he, he forces it, or she forces it, the more there's going to be pushback from other people. And, you know, it's like the, it's like the Tao. <laughs> basic, basic, one of the basic things of the Tao is you can't, uh, you can't try to force your way into anything. No, you can't push the water. Yeah. It flows all by itself. <laughs> right. You can't push the water. Um, yeah, I think this is a really good uh, kind of... Uh, description of like yin and yang yes right you know how the whole uh, everything exists on this continuum but in our mind we break it up into the 10,000 things and we only see failure and success we don't see the entirety we don't see the 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 other side of the coin uh and it it limits our perception yes of reality and then when we do that we limit the perception of reality in its entirety Yes. Not just that one instance. Yes. You know? Yes. Because everything is connected, and everything has what looks like a past and a, and a present and a future. And there's a momentum to things. Mm-hmm. Things tend to move in the direction that they've been moving in, right? An object at rest tends to remain at rest. An object in motion tends to remain in motion, right? These are yeah. Newton's laws of motion, for right. goodness sakes, right? And so we need to own that and see what di- direction, what momentum is, is our, our, our lives moving on? What track, if you will, are we moving on? And do you like the direction it's going? Do you like the direction your life is going? Do you like the direction your community and city and state and country and world is going? Is, is, does that look all peachy keen to you? Yeah. <laughs> if not... Again, we we can't point the finger and say it's over there someplace. Uh, we have to turn the light around, own it, and then work on ourselves. Life is an inside job. <laughs> it's an inside job. Now, as a, as a uh, psychologist, uh, obviously, what 
is the biggest barrier that people have to change? I know probably everybody listening to this show right now has something about themselves they'd like to change. Hmm. And what's the first step in kind of affecting change? Well, the first thing, of course, is realize that you're stuck. <laughs> okay. That you're stuck, like I just said, you're, in, you're moving along a direction. You've been stuck in a pattern. We are creatures of habit. Oh. Every human being is a creature of habit. But what kind of habits? If the habits are working and they're nurturing and they're providing you know you with uh, sustenance and, and nurturance and growth, hey, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. But, of course, when people come to a psychologist, of course, obviously, they're perceiving that something isn't working, right. either in their relationships or in their personal life or, you know, their ability to set goals, or perhaps they, they talk about attachment. They're attached to anxiety or depression, or they've gone through experiences tra like trauma that have led them to states of, you know, like PTSD, and they're feeling depressed and suicidal, and on and on and on. All right. But all of these, all of those, no matter what the source, it represents being stuck in a pattern without the resources to break it and change it. Mm -hmm. Because life is about waking up and changing. Yeah. It's a, but people don't know, don't know how to do that. And so as a therapist, a lot of what I do really is teaching. It's an, I'm instructing people on how to change themselves and their lives mm -hmm. and therefore their extended worlds. So, so I'm a teacher, right. really. So, so the first thing is obviously knowing, noticing the problem. Yes. Right, and is it, and then is it the next step not being attached to that so you can change it or better well, understanding mm -hmm. it, or right. is and, it right? And that takes some doing, because if people could just change it, they would have done that already a long time ago. Right. <laughs> you know, I assume, uh, but they don't have the tools to do that. My job is to give them the tools. In a non-judgmental, accepting relationship, that's also important. Yeah. Uh, so that they have the strength, the courage, the wherewithal to actually make those substantive changes in their life. Mm -hmm. That's my that's my job. Right. For that. It's to hold the space for that to, to occur mm -hmm. long enough, you know, in, in in this unique type of therapeutic relationship for them to actually develop the skill sets to actually change. Right. That's my job. And with that, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to What's This Dow All About. You can hit us up on Twitter, at What's This Dow. And uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Carl Totten for speaking with me today. Thank you. 